Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and we will now be called to order. Present. to suspend the rules for uh, the community participation. So moved. Second. All right. Um, those in favor, say aye. Aye. Opposed? Abstain? All right. Motion carries. Thank you. Uh, next is approval of our minutes. Are there any questions uh, or discussions for the prior minutes? Alder Shiva? I wasn't here, but the words translators and interpreters are used um, interchangeably in um, both the OIR report and it seems from the minutes and the action of the committee. So if I could um, ask the, whether you, somebody would be willing, uh, willing to amend the minutes to just use the word interpreters, which are the people that actually verbally transfer information from one language to the other. Translators do retain translations. Do we have a motion? Do we have a second? second? All right. Any discussion? All in favor, say aye. 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 Opposed? Abstentions? All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We do have uh, a public comment, and that is uh, the. Oh, sorry. Okay. Uh, at this point in time, do we have any disclosures and uh, recusals? All right. If that's the case, then we will jump into discussion item number one. All right. I'll turn it over to Keith. All right. Discussion item number one is review and discussion of the President's Work Group Action Item number five, which is the Common Council directs the Ad Hoc Committee to evaluate the precautionary principles detailed above, that is, the precautionary principles for use of force. Um, and determine whether and how they may be addressed in the MPD policies, practices, and procedures. I think, Shiva, you had wanted to be here for this discussion. Is that right? Or am I making that up? Um, I wanted to be here for the closed session. Too. Oh, okay. Where is that on the agenda? I think that's your last agenda item. What's that? That's what? <clears throat> Yeah, okay. You know what? I, I'm, I think we should take that out of order then, if that's okay. If, and this is an objection from any member of the committee. Shiva wanted to be here to discuss that, which is uh, item number uh, 14, review and discussion of wires recommendation number 10, that the MPD should consider implementing the 21st Century Police and Task Forces Action Item to make all department po policies available for public review. And for this, we had asked the police department to provide for us tonight the particular uh, um, policies that that it has 
to, to date determined that it should withhold from the public website. Um, Assistant Chief Wall, have you brought those? Thank you. Um, for us to review those, I believe we need to go into closed session. Um, so can we have a... Okay, so before we go into closed session, let's, uh, we, have, we have a public comment. Dr. So, Dr. Glenbeck. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Please, please. What's the question? Okay. So, I just wanted to address this briefly. Um, a couple of points. Um, as you all know, it's one of the OAR recommendations. Um, it's also one of the recommendations from the President's Task Force in 21st Century Policing. Um, pillar two, policy and oversight. This is from the Task Force recommendations. Pillar two emphasizes that if police are to carry out the responsibilities according to established policies, those policies must reflect community values. Law enforcement agencies should collaborate with community members, especially in communities and neighborhoods disproportionately affected by crime, to develop policies and strategies for deploying resources that aim to reduce crime by improving relationships, increasing community engagement, and fostering cooperation. All policies and aggregate data should be made publicly available to ensure transparency. Um, I'll add that this goes to like a core current in the OAR recommendations. Other recommendations kind of rely on this because OAR is envisioning robust public input and oversight into policy. If you have policies that are secret, that are non-public, that's not possible. Um, as Mike Janako has indicated, I'm aware of no negative fallout as a result of publishing these policies. The public has a right to know the internal rules of its police, particularly in these important areas. Our views and support of our initial recommendation hold. This is following um, the last session. Um, I'll also note that many of these policies apparently were public um, for MPD prior to um, recently, um, prior to COBOL, basically. Um, so I've got a copy of the um, MPD policy manual from 2015 that Brenda Conkle posted on her blog. Um, examples of policies that are now non-public. Um, barricaded person hostage situations. Confidential sources of information. Bomb threats. Um, those were all public policies, um, public MPD policies, until a couple years ago. Um, also, in light of that, I'll note that most mass and policies haven't changed that much between you know, 2015 and the present. For most policies, they're basically just incremental modifications. So I, I would guess that most of the non-public policies are substantially the same as they used to be. For example, the policy on confidential informants, barricaded people, etc. Given that, I'll note that under Wisconsin Open Records case law, existing public availability of information contained in a record weakens any argument 
the Wisconsin Open Records Compliance Guide notes, um, specifically with respect to law enforcement records, policy, you know, um, policy interests favoring disclosure, public oversight of police and prosecutorial actions, um, degree to which sensitive information already has been made public. There's little basis for the policies now being made non-public. Um, these kinds of policies, policies on informants, barricaded people, etc., are routinely made public by many police departments throughout the nation. And Mike Janaku has sent you, you know, I believe, or at least some people, some links to examples of that. Um, and at this point, I believe I've, I've covered all the you know, key material. Thank you. Thank you. Before we go into closed session, um, Chief Well, can you uh, respond in any way to that in the sense of is that your understanding that these were public a few years ago and what, if anything, changed to make them non-public? Well, the, what was public previously was our policy and we went through a transition where we, we changed from sort of one policy manual to having a code of conduct and then a bunch of standard operating procedures. And that was a long process where we basically reviewed each and every old policy and determined whether the content belonged in our code of conduct or as an SOP. Uh, and so the, the, the relevant uh, old policies, uh, for example, the, the tactical ones, the barricaded person ones, uh, are completely changed in their new SOP version. So they were not public. So old policy versions with the same titles were public, but the content is completely different because as part of that transition, we, we revised the content of a lot of this material. So when you look at you know, new policies, you can look at the old ones and see what's changed. Anything further from the committee before we go into closed session? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Why don't you come up where there's a microphone? I don't want to take it away from. Okay. Uh, thank you for the time, giving, offering the time to speak. Um, first, I want to say, I think I already sent a letter uh, with regards to this, but I have uh, great concern about policies um, being, you know, secret policies, policies being kept a secret from the public. Um, I'll reiterate what Greg said. There's really no evidence anywhere. I, as far as we've looked, we haven't been able to find any evidence or anyone claiming that their policies being public made their officers less safe. Um, so I, I don't know where that's coming from or why that's happening, but the lack of transparency is uh, concerning, and it is yet another sort of statement through action demonstrating that um, – I don't see that as a trust-building move at all. Um, you can play all the basketball games you want and, you know, do crafts, and that's great. I don't have a problem with that stuff. I personally don't. But when you start making policies a secret all of a sudden, um, 
That's concerning. An- another great concern that I have is it's been brought to my attention that MPD is, has decided to take part um, in a pilot uh, with uh, a service called, um, I'm going to try it. It's a guy named Bob Scale and his agency out of uh, Bainbridge Island, Washington. Um, they've developed uh, their own personal brand of uh, so- software or program that can look at cases, police departments submit cases, and then this agency uses an algorithm that nobody can have access to to determine whether or not the officer's ac- actions uh, fell within constitutional boundaries, like did they pass the Graham versus Connor test. Um, MPD, uh, it looks like they're going to be taking part in this if they can get the money to do it, um, if they can get the grant money to do it. And I have a lot of concerns about that. Number one, nobody anywhere who has any power to do so has questioned whether or not MPD's actions when involved in forced incidents um, are unconstitutional. Every single DA all the time says, yes, they were constitutional, that they do pass the lowest of the lowest criminal bar. And we are the one, we keep asking, aim higher when it comes to your internal policy. And, you know, number one here that you have on your agenda, Chris Taylor's precautionary principles on use of force, the stuff that she's offered, that's what we're talking about. Um, Aim higher when it comes to internal policies. We don't need to keep hearing that you meet the criminal standard. Like, we know that you meet, okay, you meet the criminal standard for the last 128 years. Not a single DA or anyone anywhere has ever said that you have failed the criminal standard when taking a life. What we're talking about is having policies and practices in place that raise the bar internally. There's absolutely no evidence that demonstrates that officers are going to be less safe if they're more cautious about when they use force. There really isn't. When you train under duress, when you train in a stressful situation, you are memorizing on a physiological level, what to do if someone is, is, if your life is really at risk. You're not going to pause and say, gee, someone might call me racist, or gee, someone might get mad at me and people will fill the streets. No one's going to do that if their life, no cop's going to do that if their life's at risk. Seriously at risk. It's not going to happen. So uh, MPD has decided they're going to take part in this study and, uh, um, or whatever it's called, and then this agency spits out a report that says um, you were, you know, you fell within your constitutional obligation in, in these areas, but not in these areas. We know what it's going to say, and we know that, you know, using resources is, in this way is kind of waste, and we know that I feel like the only use for such a report is for Chief Koval to wave it around and see, see, we're fine. And we're better than the rest. We don't need to change. That's what I think this report will do. And I think that also it will be used in civil cases to try to keep people from getting paid out if they lose a family member and an officer-involved fatality. And that won't work because in civil cases, they don't, they don't believe that every officer-involved fatality is a split-second decision because it's not. There are several cascading steps that happen before an officer-involved fatality usually, not just a moment 
and they make a decision. There's behavior that takes place beforehand that leads to a death. So, and on the officer's part, on uh, the deceased's part. So um, when when I was made aware of this, it, it concerned me because it looks like another move that challenges the idea that MPD is trying to build trust. You know, Chief Koval is fighting tooth and nail um, to keep from raising the internal standard for use of force. And there's no evidence-based reason for him to be doing so. And I don't believe if we had a different chief who wasn't, didn't have such thin skin that this would be happening. I don't think this would be happening under Chief Ray. Chief Ray, in fact, said at a conference in 2000, and I want to say 2008, sometime around then, or 2010, he said at a conference that the Graham versus Connor standards, it's a good standard. But we must train to use force um, only when absolutely necessary. We, we can't be trained. I mean, he, he has a quote, and I can forward it to you all, but he was basically saying, we need this standard, and this can't be the end-all, be-all. We've got to train to do better and be better. So um, I, I encourage you to continue moving forward on these recommendations with gusto and and keeping you know i hope that moving forward for the deadly use of force policies and recommendations and and everything else when it comes to transparency of policies that um we remember who is who is in charge of mpd right now and what the statements they have made when it's come when it has come to raising the bar and raising the standard it always comes down to my troops are just fine we got to build morale. Um, it, you know, it's everybody else's issue, and uh, we're not going to put our people in harm's way. End of conversation. That is his stance time and time again. So I'm asking you to please kind of, we know that, and for us to just aim way higher with, with all these agenda items and especially with the, the policy uh, the secret policies, and um, and now with this report that he's going to come out to wave around and say, see, we're better than Miami and Chicago. Um, yeah, that's all I'm asking is please let's just keep aiming higher than, than the standard that he's offering. Thank you. <clears throat> all right, thank you. Did we have another public comment? That, no. oh, oh, that's for no, a different item. Okay. Anything? I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't mean to shut you off, but if you can, we're, we need to. I want to get to this before Shiva has to leave. So if you could be concise, that would be great. Yes. No, he's not. Oh, he's not. Because I think it's really important that he be available for this particular discussion. Well, what's his status? Uh, I can, if you guys want him. I to be on the phone while you were in closed session or not. Well, what is the rule on that? Can he be on the, se on the phone during closed session? Well, it, it depends on what the purpose of the closed session is, whether you're going to just re be reviewing and asking questions of MPD about their specific policies. If you have questions to, you know, OIR, they reviewed, they reviewed all the policies. So it's no secret to him. 
So he has seen them. I mean, we obviously can't get him a copy well, at this I, point. I, but, I mean, if you have questions about the specific policies that you're going into closed session for that you want OAR to respond to. Since it doesn't seem like there would be any problem with him being in on the closed session call, my suggestion would be let's have him on the phone in case somebody needs to talk to him during that. Is it, yes. Any objection to that? Thanks. We have consultants doing closed sessions at other things. Judge Joe Square being one. Okay. Um, because I've sent so many emails just to facilitate your finding. Um, the email with the policy manual from a few years ago that contains these policies, it was sent um, Monday, 10-22 at 6.40 a.m. Because um, I know otherwise it may be difficult to access. Okay. Thank you. Hey, Mike, it's Rachel. Is there Hi, Rachel. We, uh, we got you here. I'm going to put you through. I guess, I mean, I even want to just, like, question this. The, 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 again, even the need to go into this closed, se closed session, and, and, and I believe it's quite onerous. I mean, we've been presented evidence that public-facing uh, policies around SOP has had no impact, yet MPD has provided zero evidence outside of platitudes within their arguments that somehow it'll have a negative impact. There's zero evidence out there that they presented when we have evidence that there is no impact. It's, in my opinion, it's effectively a waste of all our time um, when we'll just be looking over the SOPs without any actual evidence that these, that making them public will be damaging. Um, I'd like basically to make a movement to, to accept the OI recommendations as is um, for this specific thing, and, and I just see this entire endeavor as a waste of all our time. Like my recommendation would carry much weight if I don't know what I'm recommending. If I haven't read it, then how can I make a valid recommendation? So, okay. It's, it, uh, you know, yeah, we can rely on ORI, but I thought our job was to also make our own decisions. So, I think procedurally, correct me if I'm wrong, we have a motion to vote on this without going into closed session. Do, do we have a second on that motion? Second. Now, do we have discussion? Um, what you just said. Um, any other comments on this? I mean, I, I didn't want to see it, but at the same time, we have zero evidence that it's somehow going to endanger anything. I, I mean, just getting further information is just purely pedantic, really. It, it, it's just, it, it serves really no purpose other than just the know-how when we already kind of know the argument against carries no weight. Like, it, there's just no weight on why it shouldn't be public. So why do you need to know something that, that the argument for why it shouldn't be public carries zero weight? Keith, this is Luis. Yes, Luis. Yes, Luis. Are you done? Okay. Luis, go ahead. Um, yeah, my, my statements are that I'm, I'm in agreement um, uh, in principle with... Uh, the speakers and with Matthew that uh, MPD's policies should be made public, and they, as, and they were in the past. Dr. Valencia is very correct on that. <clears throat> However, um, I, I am concerned, and particularly as I the news this evening regarding the investigation um, about the bomb threats uh, and suspicious packages that are being emailed to um, everyone has uh, openly spoken out against Trump. Um, 
uh, of the sensitive nature of these investigations. You know, this is this is going on all, all over the country, but it very well could be that we could be investigating a similar incident in Madison. We, in fact, uh, Madison does investigate, has had incidents involving bomb threats. Um, my point is that there's great sensitivity into how these investigations are conducted, and I believe that um, that we should make room um, to ensure that uh, in our in our desire to to ensure that uh, all MPD that MPD um, is, is open about its operations and policies and procedures, uh, that there's also room uh, there. Um, to ensure that MPD is also able to safeguard sensitive information um, that could jeopardize the safety of the community, of our own citizens, or of police officers. And you know, my and that so my my suggestion is that uh, we or my my request is that we do have a, 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 a proceed with with uh, with a closed door policy to to review these policies and figure out if there's any information there that uh, could jeopardize the safety of uh, of anyone in the community and to have further discussions on those. I, I don't believe that we should uh, we should uh, proceed in haste to simply press the police department to make all those policies uh, public if there's even the slightest risk that uh, someone's life life could be jeopardized. So that's that's my that's my that's my statement again in support of continuing with the uh, with the closed door policy to review the, the procedures. Bombs. Like this is public information in New York, and and they like it's there. Um, I think Shiva wanted to say something. Yeah, I guess I wasn't here at the last meeting, so <clears throat> I guess maybe I'll ask the ob obvious question: What type of content is in these policies that you think needs to be um, maintained um, away from the public? Is it tactical information? Because policies to me are not tactical information. Policies are policies, so. You know, who calls whom and, like, how, you know, th that's tactical to me. The, the policy is not. So I'm a, I myself a little was confused about the need to go into what actually I didn't know there was policies that were in public. So that was my first surprise moment. And two, I just don't, maybe I'm not understanding the difference between the SOPs and tactical things. Can, can I just, so I can you help me? I, I want to give Assistant Chief, well, a chance to respond to that. Before I do that, can I just point out that if we look at them, we'll be able to see for ourselves what they involve, and that if we continue discussing this forever, we're actually wasting more time than if we just went into a closed session and looked at them. Um, but that's just my own view. But having said that, Chief Wall, do you want to respond? Uh, well, sure. The short answer is that they are primarily the ones we're concerned about, tactical, that have very sort of hands-on nuts and bolts of our response to these sorts of incidents. Uh, and, you know, looking at other agencies across the country, certainly there are some that have all of them on there. There's many that do restrict these types of SOPs and policies and do not make them public. And there's still some agencies that don't have any of them publicly posted. But certainly uh, restricting sensitive policies, as we're doing, is not at all outside of the mainstream with what other police agencies are doing across the country. 
Okay. Any further discussion on the motion? The motion is to adopt the recommendation of OAR without further proceedings, without going into closed session. All right. All in favor of that motion? I think we maybe we should have a raise, raise hand so we can count. Um, all in favor? Oh. oh. Okay. Shall we do a roll call? Motion having failed, do we have a motion to go into closed session? Second. Any further discussion on that? Thank, thank you. Um, all in favor, say aye. 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 Opposed? Aye. So I think it's a. Uh, I think the ayes have it, but if someone wants a roll call, let me know. Okay. So I think we're going into closed session now. Which means all right, are we ready to go back? I think we're we're back and ready to proceed. Um, I would I think at this point we're ready to entertain any motions anyone wants to make. You look confused. Am I doing this wrong? transparency the three options that you summarize I think could be said openly that those are three options because they're not talking about the content of the policy itself and what we're I could I was just going to let the I was oh, thinking okay. the committee members could choose which option they wanted to put forward as a motion but I, we can certainly lay out with the with the three so options okay all right sure so for the benefit of the of the community after after reviewing these uh, policies and having a discussion the committee seems I think is in agreement that we have three options, uh, three ways we could go. One is we could vote down the OIR recommendation to put everything on the web, make everything publicly accessible on the website so that MPD could continue to withhold the ones that they're presently withholding. Or two, we could adopt the, the recommendation in full, in which case MPD would have to put up online everything they've written or if they didn't want to they'd have to rewrite their policies so that whatever they want to whatever tactical measures they want to keep to themselves would not be in the policy at all um, and then they'd put everything that's in policy would be posted or three the, the final one would be the final possibility would be to amend the OIR recommendation to say everything goes up on the website but the MPD can redact in a publicly visible and understandable way only those very specific items that are tactically sensitive that could affect the safety or effectiveness of police responses to these critical incidents. Um, and that, that redaction decision then, if the Common Council wanted, could be subject to review by the Council, theoretically. So those are the three options we came up with as possibilities. 
Did I, did I get that right, everybody? Anybody want to add to that? I, w- I would add maybe in the language for the third one that it should say, like, should redact the minimally the bare minimum, necessary right. to what goal is there. To protect legitimate tactical objectives or something like that. Uh, officer safety and effectiveness of the operation. Unmoved and think that the right for the public to know is outweighed by any perceived dangers. Okay, so we have a motion to adopt the OIR recommendation as written. Do we have a second? We have a second. Any further discussion? I think Matt's motion, uh, the one that you identified as motion number two? Just as is, which means we would not say anything about the content of the policies, which means the content would remain as it is now within the entire, entirely within the discretion of the MPD. Okay, so they would not be able to withhold information. If it's in their policy, they would post it. What's in their policy is up to them. Okay, okay. So they can rewrite the policies before they post them if they want to, if we were to adopt this. Okay, is that clear? Any further? Dis- no, it's not. It's not. It's, it's, it's not clear, uh, Keith. Um, so we're not changing. So, Luis, here's here's what I'm saying: is we're not changing through this recommendation. We're not changing the way that MPD comes up with its policies or what it wants to put in them. And they can amend them as whatever the, through whatever their ordinary channels are to the extent they want to. This doesn't change that. All this would be is a recommendation that the Common Council require the police department to post everything that they do come up with. It would be requiring them to post all of that online. So theoretically, they could change it if they wanted to before they posted it. Okay, I, I hear you saying that, but I just don't read that in the motion because to me it sounds like they are required to post everything that they currently have in policy, which is different than what you're saying. Well, let's, let's what's the recommendation number? Um, number 10. Because my understanding was that this, well, let's look at the recommendation. Recommendation 10 says, MPD should consider implementing the 21st Century Policing Task Force action item to make all department policies available for public review. It doesn't say all current ones. It just says all policies. So whatever their policies are at the time that this recommendation goes into effect is what they would make public. But this, of course, would be just us recommending to the Common Council, which would then adopt it or not and whatnot. So MPD would have plenty of time to rewrite anything they wanted to if they wanted to. Does anybody disagree with that? that, Does that make sense? You get that, Luis? I I, I do understand that, Keith, but it's it's ambiguous because if the MPD does go off and rewrite the entire thing, then it seems uh, that they they are not following it. So I'm wondering whether we need to be more specific uh, in the motion. I mean, with anything that we put in the motion around this could be changed by the time our recommendations go out. 
And if the common council adopts it and, and puts in, like we hold no sway over what the MPD, what MPD decides to do now between any potential implementation of these recommendations. Okay, I just, I, and I, I understand that I just want to make sure that we are, we're all on the same page and that, uh, so, it, so that if MPD does change things before publishing their manual making it available to the public, so it doesn't appear that they are in some way being dishonest or doing, doing anything under the table. No, we, I think this is adopted with the understanding that MPD is free and, and should be revising its policies on an ongoing basis as they see fit, and this doesn't change that. Okay, okay, all right. As long as we're on record with that, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Any further discussion on this? All in favor of the, of the motion say aye. 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 Opposed? Aye. Opposed? Okay, so we have one one no. Your no, two no's. Uh, any abstentions? Okay, so the motion carries. All right. Now, with that said, I think we can go back to item number one on the agenda which is review and discussion of action item number five, which again refers to the um, from the President's Work Group on Police and Community Relations Report, which refers to the uh, precautionary principles. Uh, and we have some speakers on this one. Uh, Dr. Golembek? No, we have, uh, you were just on the top of my pile. We have four. Okay. Uh, let's go with uh, Ken Swift. Is Ken Swift? Oh, he's not speaking. I'm sorry. Amelia Royko. Um, is it Meyer? I'm sorry, Amelia Royko Meyer. You've already spoken. So you've already spoken to agenda item one. So that's it. Okay. So there seem to be, you know, pretty general agreement on three of the five precautionary principles, and there appeared to be still ongoing discussion about proportionality and um, the standard of immediate threat. So I'm going to address those two very briefly. Um, I sent all of you um, the material from the PERF um, guidelines on use of force for proportionality. Um, that's the recommendation three. Um, and you might note in that even it includes a blurb from Noble Ray um, endorsing all the principles, including proportionality, that police departments should adopt these. Um, I also sent you um, examples of language from different police departments and also PERF um, on proportionality. And I'll just um, read a bit of draft language. Um, and, and from this, from my email, the PERF definitions have the advantage of offering greater specificity, providing much better direction by spelling out more clearly what proportionality means. By offering better guidance, it increases the likelihood of bringing about the desired norms and officer behavior. Um, so I'm comparing here the PERF language versus, you know, the three other examples I sent. 
an example of draft policy language based predominantly on purchase language, but that it borrows slightly from others and that addresses the system chief wall state of concern that proportionality could be misinterpreted to mean that officers could only use the exact same level of force as the subject. And here's some draft language that is predominantly based on PERF but borrows from others. Department members will only use the force that is proportional to the threat, actions, and level of resistance offered by a subject. Proportionality involves officers, one, using only the level of force necessary to mitigate the threat and safely achieve lawful objectives, two, considering, if appropriate, alternative force options that are less likely to result in injury but will allow officers to achieve lawful objectives, and three, considering the appropriateness of officer actions. Proportional force does not require officers to use the same type or amount of force as the subject. This addresses Wall's concern. The concept of proportionality does not mean that officers, at the moment they have determined that a particular use of force is necessary and appropriate to mitigate a threat, should stop to consider how their actions will be viewed by others. Rather, officers should begin considering what might be appropriate and proportional as they approach an incident, and they should keep this consideration in their minds as they are assessing the situation and deciding how to respond. Proportionality also considers the nature and severity of the underlying events. So that's just an example of some draft language that, you know, tries to combine some of the optimal elements and address Assistant Chief Wall's concern. I'll also speak to the concept of immediate standard, and I'll read an excerpt from an analysis by Daigle Law Group. I'll just start by stating Daigle Law Group's, you know, self-description. Daigle Law Group LLC is one of the nation's leading law firms that specialize in management consulting services in support and development of effective and constitutional policing practices. Quote, threat assessment or properly trained with the elements of ability, opportunity, and intent can help train officers to reasonably come to their conclusions as, quote, a simple statement by an officer that he fears for his safety or the safety of others is not enough. There must be objective factors to justify such a concern, end quote. In select use of force training programs, intent is not the state of the suspect's mind, but rather observable behavioral clues that further the threat from an imminent threat to an immediate threat. Requiring officers to somehow mind-read a suspect's intent when he is armed with a gun prior to shooting him is not required by law and builds an unacceptable mental lag time. The importance of defining imminent versus immediate threat cannot be overstated. Quite often, the misunderstanding in may-shoot scenarios is embedded within our mistaken assumption that imminent threats are synonymous with immediate threats. From a legal and policy perspective, you can drive a truck through the difference. If there is still uncertainty which term is more desirable to use considering the following guidance from Graham and Tennessee, the suspect poses an immediate threat to the safety of officers or others. That's a quote. Where the suspect, quote, where the suspect poses no immediate threat to the officer and no threat to others, the harm resulting from failure to apprehend him does not justify the use of deadly force, end quote. Another quote. Commerce City's official policy, which authorizes officers to use deadly force in, quote, protection of themselves or others from the immediate threat or serious bodily injury, mirrors the constitutional standard, end quote. When considering which term to use in training a policy, the optimal word seems to be, quote, 
immediate. Um, so these are from um, consultants, a law firm that works with police departments um, to adopt constitutional policing practices. Um, I provide you with a bunch of examples of police departments that specify immediate threat. Those include, just from a cursory look online, I found Atlanta, Worcester, Massachusetts, Oakland, Irving, Texas, Laredo, Texas, Walter Schaumburg, San Francisco, Berlin, Maryland, University of Cincinnati, Long Beach, California, Chelsea, Massachusetts, Riverside, California, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Framingham, Massachusetts. Similarly, the state of Minnesota provides um, a use of force and deadly force um, model policy specifying the need for immediate threat. Um, immediate threat is, is a very distinct standard from imminent threat. And you know, for the reasons I stated, um, if you look at Graham v. Connor, if you look at um, Garner, if you look at subsequent Supreme Court decisions, if you look at the recommendation um, for model policy from the International Association of Chiefs of Police, they all specify immediate threat. Um, thank you very much for your time. Okay, thank you. Um, yes, ma'am. Can you get to, to a microphone? speak, but at all the committee meetings that I've ever attended, the point that the registrant wanted to make, the issue that they were supporting or opposing, was shared with the committee and the public. Okay. Um, oh, yes, that's a good point. Thank you. And I mentioned Ken Swift before he registered and did not wish to speak, was in support of a recommendation that there be no secret policies. So, that, thank you. Um, okay. Yeah, Matthew. To um, adopt the presidential support groups um, or to make a recommendation that MPD adopt the president's works groups of, of precautionary principles within its uh, use of force guidelines. The precautionary principles out, as outlined in the president's working group document? Yeah. Um, would you accept a friendly amendment that would add a definition of proportionality consistent with what Dr. Golembeck has sent us previously and what I think you just read to us here as well? Yes. Okay, do we have a second to that? Um, Chief Wall, um, you had before indicated your objection to proportionality was it shouldn't, you, you don't want to limit the use of force so that whatever um, encounters the police have with, with, uh, with individuals uh, end in a draw. If proportionality were defined in the way that Dr. Golembek defined it, and I, I've got the language here if you want to see it in writing, would that address that concern of yours? Would that resolve that objection? I'd have to look at the thing in front of me to well, give an informed I mean, I, I really, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I, if, if you don't want to answer it now, that's fine. But if you, if you want to see it and respond, I just want to, before we pr proceed to vote on this, I want to know if, if this meets your, I'd be really interested in knowing if this meets your concerns or if this still doesn't do it as far as you're concerned. Well, I'm, I'm happy to look at it, but I, I don't know that I'll be able to get a, an informed decision. I mean, I think as we discussed last time, I think both the 
immediate terminology and the proportionality terminology are things that uh, are going to be issues for us there's because they're such they're so divergent from the state mandated uh, training materials and, and what's consistent across the state I, just if you don't mind just take a look at this as you see here I'm going to facility state department again. So we can come back to you after you have it's that part that I bracketed in. Any other comments? Uh, did we get a second on that? I'm sorry. Yeah, we did. Okay. So do we have other discussion on that? Be Are you going to allow Chief to comment on later? Yeah, yeah. I, I want to, before we vote, I want him to have a chance to okay. respond to that if he can. Um, Mike, are you still there? Did yeah. uh, do you have any perspectives on this? Any okay, fair enough. Any other comments, questions, concerns anybody wants to raise here? Do you have any, I, I, and I know this is rushed, but do you, do you have any immediate response to that proposed language? Well, I think the, the short answer is that it, I would still view it as problematic because there's several points in here where uh, it's referring to a necessary standard, necessary force. And if you remember our discussion last time about necessary implies minimum. And while that's indeed appropriate in a deadly force encounter, and we do have that language in our existing SOP, uh, necessary is a whole other opens a whole other can of worms for your uh, other non-deadly force applications and is very much at odds with uh, the state-mandated curriculum. So I guess this language would need more work considerably for me to be comfortable with it. Okay, fair enough. Okay, thanks. Any further discussion? Does anybody else need to see that language or hear it again? It was, you all got it in Dr. Glenbeck's email. Um, and if any citizen committee members want to see that again, I've, I've got this here. All right. Um, all those in favor of the motion as, uh, as amended, say aye. 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 Opposed? Abstentions? Okay, so that, that motion carries. Rachel, do you need that? Or? That bracketed language is the amended language. It's in an email. <laughs> Okay, um, how are folks doing? <laughs> Can we keep going for a while? Or how many um, of basically, I would like to make a motion to adopt any of the recommendations in OIR. Where the only disagreement is that it's collective bargaining, and kind of just with recognition that you know it's the only real thing is that it's around collective bargaining so then it's really so kind can of you, up to can you identify those by number here yeah um we're at least on so this next one that's coming up um uh the disagreement so that'd be 104 was it one? oh it's 103 yeah 103 else yeah 104 104 or, um 108 um 114 and that's all i'm seeing right now unless i'm missing anything 
what is 103. So not what? No, no, 103 is in the, yes, 103. Oh, I jumped ahead. Oh. So these are essentially recommendations that the MPD work with the police union in, yeah. in future negotiations to adopt, to move towards these. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, so we have a motion to adopt 103, 104, 108, and 114. And we have a second from Linda. Any discussion? Jerry, do you need a minute or are you good? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry. 103 is not within collective bargaining. No, it's not? Oh, wait, I'm wait. sorry. Oh, oh. Um. Oh, no, no. Well. Yeah, because that, that 103 is directed to MPPOA, just not MPD. But you could you could still include that in your yeah, motion yeah, if you want. Yeah, I'll, why not? <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Be expedient here. 103, 104, 108, and 114. Yeah. All right. I'm good. All right. Any further discussion? Okay. All in favor of the motion to adopt 103, 104, 108, and 114 say aye. 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 Opposed? Aye. Opposed? Abstentions? All right, the motion carries. Um, before we lose too many people, um, are you okay, Tom, if we jump ahead to, to items 11, uh, 12 and, no, 11 and 12 and 13? Those are procedural motions for how we want to move forward. Um, and so the, 11 refers to the fact that if we were to continue on our same schedule, our second meeting in November would fall on Thanksgiving. I'm assuming we're not going to meet on Thanksgiving. <laughs> so. <laughs> who, want, who wants turkey, really? Who wants turkey? We'll put it right in the middle. <laughs> Shiva left. We can't ask her for thanks for turkey. Um. So I think one idea we kicked around was just to move that meeting to the following Thursday. Yeah, so that would make the 29th. Does that work for everybody? And then in, um, and in December, that would mean meeting on the 13th. Oops, I'm, I'm screwing that up, sorry. The 13th and the 27th. I will not be in town for either of those dates, but I don't have to be. Well, at this point, oh, no, on 6th and 20th would be. No, because. Oh. 27th might be, I'm just kind of thinking, I know that's going to be tough for me, and it might be tough for everybody else, like right after Christmas. And 
Yeah. Okay. So you're getting those dates, Rachel? Yep. And then we'll be back to our, well, then we're supposed to be done. <laughs> I said supposed to be. So, um, Ask for an extension. Um, well, that's, so, so that, that's item 12 on the agenda, I think, and that is discussion of the process for compiling committee recommendations into a formal report. The reason that's related to that is because um, we had talked about having a professional writer do the writing. Um, I'm sorry we didn't get to this before Shiva left because Shiva and uh, Marsha Rummel were working on finding us a professional uh, writer and finding us the funding to do that. I sort of pestered them about that, that a week or two ago and they said they're working on it, um, but I haven't heard anything. And so because of that, none of the writing has begun. Um, and get, at this point, I don't see how we're going to get it done by the end of December. Um, I mean, we'll probably have voted on all this stuff by then. Um, we're, we're almost done with that, but we got to write it up. We got to have bring it back to the committee. We got to have wordsmithing and debates about what the reports, and that's going to be more than a one meeting event. So, um, so I guess the questions that are on, on the table with this agenda item are. Where are we, if anybody knows, in terms of getting a professional writer, and should we be planning a contingency for if we don't get that? You, it looks like you yeah, have something. I can speak on that. I know that um, we had this conversation with the mayor and council leadership yesterday. Okay. Um, there has been no discussion about um, additional funding for um, an individual to come in. Um, I'm not sure where that money will come from. Typically, um, on committees, we don't hire somebody to do a report. The committee members who are engaged in this and understand the content uh, will do the report. It doesn't have to be a pretty report. Um, it just has to outline your recommendations. Um, I see the, 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 um, the table that you have going on could just, you know, I mean, you guys can decide what you want to do, but... Um, there has been no discussion about hiring somebody um, to come in and do this report. Now, um, I, I can tell you this. Excuse me, I don't mean to interrupt, but, yeah. but Shiva had indicated, I think it was Shiva who had said she actually did want a pretty report uh, because it will be out because it's a big deal okay, and it's well, going to be out there for public consumption. I think it's, up to, the, it's up to the committee on what you guys decide and what you want to do, but um, there has been no discussion on additional funding. I can tell you that the council president – um, and Vice President um, are not in support of that. Um, they feel that the committee should um, do their own report. Um, and Samba was going to try to come today um, and to discuss that. Uh, and it, you guys have done some good work um, and ex invested a lot of time. And to, to have somebody to wait, you know, you know the city process is not – as efficient uh, to wait for somebody to be hired uh, to do a report is going to take some time. Uh, so it's not going to happen within a month or two. Um. Question is, how long was the body cam report? Yeah. Yeah. yeah what was the... We we basically looked at all of the information that we gathered, uh, we compiled it, and then we 
sent it in and made a report and who so, wrote it? So we had we had an it was very similar in that um, the YWCA was the consultant and they did a report and they sent it to the body worn video committee and they just took that and added some and that was that. So there wasn't anybody hired to do that. Yeah, and that information was conveyed to the to the council, the mayor and the council. All that's going to is compiled in somewhere, right, Rachel? Um, I mean, I do do not like you know this, but I write reports for a profession um, and put out briefs and all that fun stuff. Um, I'm sure other people here as well. I'm open, particularly knowing the city process <laughs> in of itself. Uh, I mean, that could be months longer. Um, I mean, I'm open to. To, to, you know, working with a couple of folks on, on writing it together, particularly since a lot of the recommendations are going to be there. It's going to be us more so formatting and filling in blanks and narratives than, than I think really anything else. Um, once we compile, once we, we get through all the recommendations that we're going to put through, the, the meat of it already is going to be there. Um, so I don't see it as a, like something extenuous for me or whoever uh, to, to do or put together. So... It seems to me that Matt is right that in, in the we have to expect that we are not going to get and and if Marsha or Shiva comes up with some miracle professional writer then great we'll pass it off to them but in the meantime we ought to be figuring out how to do it ourselves and it seems like this body itself is too large to do it as a as a whole group at least to produce a draft so a, a, maybe a small subcommittee. Matthew, I hear you. I, I'd be happy to work on it. I don't know if anyone else wants to write. And we could sort of divide up chunks of it to write, share drafts, and then bring it back to the full committee. Anybody else want to be involved in that process? Yeah, Luis. funding process that it's going to take a while uh, so keep that in mind I mean I think we have um, you guys have been at this for a very long time uh, and I think you know a lot of work has been put into this it's going to take a while to get um, somebody on board to type this up um, the content is what's important OIR did a lot of the work, a lot of work. You guys are adding to it, um, and uh, I'm not sure. You guys are very capable in putting together um, a report. You know this more than anybody else does because you've been in this. Um, so it's going to take a while. So um, having having heard that, Luis, um, are you still moving to make a formal request? That, oh, that was Gloria, Deputy Mayor. Gloria Riz. Oh, hi, Deputy. Hi. 
She did say that, um, but, huh? Yeah, she's yeah. one council I mean, person. the council leadership is, you know, I, we just had that discussion with them. Samba was going to try to come today. Uh, you can have a discussion with him, but uh, I know the mayor and the council leadership are on the same page. They haven't even discussed it uh, for the 2019 uh, budget. Um, it hasn't even come up. So, I'm so even without a motion from us, if, if Shiva and Marsha still want to move for it, they can. They can. I mean, it but is my understanding that Marsha was looking for a person to write this report. Yes. I personally, as much as we want to, to finish this, I don't feel comfortable with us writing a report. And that wasn't clear from the beginning that we needed to take charge of that as well. So I think that, I mean, I understand the urgency to finish this process, but coming up with, after doing all this work, coming up with just a report that we're not prepared to do doesn't seem to me like the right thing to do. So it is my understanding for what I've heard that Marsha was looking for someone to write the report. So I don't know if you want to clarify that with them. Sue? Okay. So I would, I would have the opposite opinion. I think we're fully qualified to write the report because we've – We've understood this process, and we've made the process what it is, and we know what's supposed to be in the report. And I think conveying that to a, a technical writer, a professional writer, will take just as much time as if we did it ourselves. And I, I really don't want to postpone this, the outcome of our work, months uh, from now. I, I just don't think it's an acceptable way to finish our, our project. The body worn uh, video. We didn't have a special writer to do your recommendations. Um, YWCA was the consultant that came in, um, provided their recommendations, and then you guys worked off that um, to do your recommendations. Um, so um, it would be a new thing, uh, and like I said, it would take a while um, to get somebody on board. Now, unless you go, I, I don't know how it would be done if. Uh, you find somebody to do it and just come in to do it for you. I, I don't know. And if, it, if it's paid by another entity, I don't know how that would work. Um, but as far as any city funding, it would take some time. Okay. So at this point in this meeting, we have two options. One is to proceed um, as if we're going to write it ourselves and um, and take members, volunteers to be part of the drafting committee. And the other is to file a, to make a formal motion requesting the council to fund it. I don't know if Luis was making that motion or if he withdrew that. Um, Luis, are you making that motion? Yes, I am. I am making that motion. Okay. So then the question is, do we have a second? Everybody understand the motion is to request that the council provide funding to so that we can hire a professional writer to write up our report. Right? Is that it? Before we do that, yeah. before we do that, guys, let me just let's slow down just a little bit here. I'd like to hear from two people, Jerry. I'd like to hear from you and uh, Saeed a little bit on what you what you guys think about that. 
Yeah, I'm, I mean, uh, after hearing all the information that's been given, the difficulty of securing funding, the time uh, that it's going to take to secure funding, and I'm actually of the uh, position that i like us to move a little bit more quickly, given the, um, the information we have. And I, I agree with Sue that we are very qualified. I think we have a lot of people here who who have a profession that writes reports. And so, uh, you know, you know, I, I would have volunteered if I didn't have a little one. Um, I didn't realize how difficult – it was to balance my time, but I probably would have jumped the gun. It's just that uh, I, I have not because I don't know if I can find the time to, to, to write as much. But if you made it a little bit more minimum, I would be more than happy to serve uh, and write that as well. So that's kind of my position. I'm thinking if, if we can get it quicker, and we, we I thought about what Sue said, and I agree that the time it takes to just work with the professional, to hire a professional, to work with them, to make them write what we want them to say, I, I figured you know, we, we are professionals ourselves. So that's my position. I agree with Jerry. <laughs> no, in all honesty, anything that's delaying this further, I mean, everything is a what if, what if, what if we get funding, what if we find a writer, how are we going to bring them in? Uh, you know me, I think that we shouldn't delay. We should try and get this done. We owe it. We owe it to the people that are waiting for this. And, you know, just the more time that just keeps going by and going by, I'm not in favor of that at all. So I think we can handle it on our own. Okay, so... We still do have a motion on on the on the floor here. Um, do we have a second to that motion? Not hearing a, mo a second, the motion fails for want of a second. Okay, so we will put together a. Uh, if anybody, so so Jerry, can we include you in our drafting committee if we parcel out a smaller piece sure, to you? Sure, so Jerry, Matthew, and I. Anybody else want to join us? I don't. Oh, so what's an, what's the most we can have? Three. Are you wanting to be in on it? I'm okay with uh, letting someone else sit in. <laughs> okay, so the 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 committee. <laughs> It slows it all down. Yes. <laughs> I think we got to keep it at three. Sean? No, I was going to say three men. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit more diverse representation on the writing committee. So Jerry, you could we could give you a piece and then you could share it with Kim. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, th then the final part of that agenda item, I think, is in terms of schedule. Even with this new plan, we're not going to be done by the end of December, I don't think. Um, and so I think we ought to talk about at least – I would suggest that we ask for a couple more months, maybe till the end of February. What are you going to say? Yeah, you guys clearly need more time. You know, it's not, it's not realistic to finish by December. And, you know, I've, I've talked with you. And, um, the, 
like between everything that's left, you know, plus you know some additional recommendations and writing and everything else, um, you know, you definitely need a couple more months, and you know, potentially even more than that. Like politically, I think it's important to um, try to get the report to the current council before the turnover with the new council, you know, with elections. Um, like, the current council, most of the alders have been through all of this, so it would really be good to get it to them. Um, having said that, you know, I, I can foresee an issue with, for example, the last recommendation, which is actually one of the most crucial ones for the auditor position and the committee, because um, the oversight committee, because this group, having worked on this all along, is really the group that's best positioned to flush that out. And flushing that out, thinking through the structures, is going to take some time. You know, so like one thought that occurred to me, I'm not really you know, strongly wedded to this, but one thought that occurred to me is um, to do the bulk of the report provide to the council in time for them to vote before a new council comes in, like say by the end of February or so, and then provide a supplementary report where you work out the details of that last recommendation. So the recommendation itself will be adopted in, in, the current, in the report that goes to the council for this council, but the details can be fleshed out later. That's just the thought I had. I don't know what people think of that. My, my own reaction to that is let's let's ask for the end of February, and if that means if that means we can only adopt the recommendation without fleshing out the details, then at that point we can ask for more time just on that. But if we can get it into the new, then great, we won't need that. But that we can cross that bridge when we come to it. I agree. So, so do we have a motion? Motion is key said. Just okay. This is, a, as I interpret my own words, um, this, is a, <laughs> this is a this is a motion to request that the the council extend our mandate to run to the end of February for submission of the report. Second. Any further discussion? All in favor, say aye. 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 Opposed. No abstentions. Then okay. Motion carries. Um, then the final, uh, not the final thing on the agenda, but no, item 13, the next one, is a discussion of how the committee will receive community input and recommendations on MPD policies and procedures. What this is that uh, um, Tom and I were talking about how what we've been doing mostly up to now is addressing the OIR recommendations. But OIR may not have made all of the recommendations that we as a community want to adopt. And so we thought it would be useful to entertain suggestions from committee members and or community members for any additional recommendations that we want to incorporate into our final report. Um, in the interest of time, clarity, openness, all that, Tom and I were talking that perhaps the best way to do that would be to make it publicly known that we're receiving suggestions for additional recommendations, create instructions for submitting them, and set a deadline for people to submit those, in, those additional recommendations to us in writing 
so that we can then take them up at a meeting probably in November or December. What do you folks think about that process? Thinking myself, I wonder if we're going to get many or are we we're going to get a few. I, I think. Well, we won't know. My guess is yeah. we would get relatively few. Maybe like two or two hundred. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm just saying, just because I, I I'm thinking about our time right now and we're, and our struggle to just try to process the ones that we're currently discussing. I I, I like I like it. I, I don't I don't disagree with that. I was just thinking about the amount of time that we have to process through it. I mean, OIR has been pretty exhaustive. We got a pretty complete list, but. It, yeah. There probably are a few others out there. I don't think it would be overwhelming, but I think we wouldn't really be doing our job as an independent committee to thoroughly review things if we didn't at least entertain other ideas. Greg? I would strongly have um, The CRT is definitely, you know, has recommendations that it would bring to you. Um, a set of those already are present in various emails, but they're scattered throughout the emails, so they have to be compiled. So I guess what we're saying is they don't count <laughs> yet. <laughs> uh, only because we can't find yep. them, right? Exactly. We need your help. Yep. <laughs> That's why. Yep. So, so what we do is set a deadline and say, if these are serious recommendations, please give them to us again in writing, labeled as that so that we will know to put them on the agenda and take them up. I don't mean to be dismissive no, of them. I, I'm just mean as a, yeah. Captain, you have any comments on that or input? Okay. Amelia? Okay, very good. Okay, so What's a what's a reasonable deadline? Uh, and I assume we can just ask that they submit them. Are you the one, Rachel? She's so. <laughs> um, and how would how can we get word out about this? So yeah, that's what I wanted just to provide some input on. I think it's important um, not to just open it up because we're going to hear from the same people. I think we really should be targeted. Um, and to ensure that we hear from our Latino community, our African-American community, um, and get their voice um, and be very targeted and specific. Um, because I see, I see that as this is a very diverse committee, and it was done purposely like this. Um, and so I just think I know early on we did hear from uh, members of our community, but um, and again, that was very targeted. Uh, so I just ask that we move through that same process. And what does that mean? How do we do that? I got actually thought, and, and actually, one, I, I think kind of the two ways are to make like a general like release saying we're taking in recommendations, so on and so forth. That would be broad. The second one is within that would be to go back with I think the people that we invited to talk and and present and share their perspectives and have direct outreach. One, thanking them for coming in, and two, we're formally asking any recommendations that you may have for our committee. Um, uh, to, to put forward in, in, in our policy for us to, to take up and, and debate. So you're saying go back to whoever was spoke to the committee right. as a community representative? That we already outreached okay. to and, and already spoke to us. Um, and so yeah. is that something staff could help us with, putting together a letter like that, addressing, finding those people and addressing it to them, inviting them by the deadline that we set here? And, and in that letter probably referencing the OAR report and – this chart on the website so people would know what it is we have done. Sure. Yeah. 
have the list somewhere of those. Um, yeah. Can, um, um, Marcy was just about to say something, and then we'll come to you, okay? We can come up with a letter and give it to the co-chairs, and then you all could review it and okay. say you're okay with it, and we can come up with the list of who appeared and mail it out to them, but you all will need to tell yeah. us your deadline of when you want them to submit it to, and then I can work with IT to get a, the letter up on that, uh, the website, too. So and how long will it. it take to get the letter out and to get it up? Because the reason I ask is because that will affect whatever deadline we set for people to submit their suggestions. Mm -hmm. I would say realistically two weeks. I mean, I gave the chart to IT and it's not up yet, so I would say probably two weeks is a safe bet to get the letter done and to you and get it approved and get what it up. What can we do to get that chart up? We've been trying to get that chart posted mm -hmm. for months. I think once FreakFest is done, hopefully... I mean, I think with flooding and IT, it's yeah, just, you know, there's a lot of other things that have, have come forth. But um, we, will, we will inquire about where that's at. Um, but it's a simple email to those individuals saying, here are um, the OIR recommendations, um, and, you know, we'll just get it out to them, I think. Okay. Um, as far as getting it on the website, that's going to take longer. Yeah. Um, but as far as an email seeking input, why is this so hard to get things on the website? This sure. isn't that hard. I mean, I'm not an IT professional. Yeah, okay. I have no idea. I'm just. <laughs> we keep but, I mean, we could. Gloria and I can get together and get a letter to you by next week. Okay. And mm -hmm. then you and then send it out to the people that appear. And I just I can't commit to the website. I understand. It's not your department, right? I get it. Um, Luis, you were saying something. Yeah, I'd like to see us. Um, uh, work with the city council on this as well. You know, they have been our partners and have driven so much of this um, that, I, that um, I'd like to see them take it back to their constituents. Uh, that, that would ensure that uh, it's being disseminated uh, citywide um, to ensure that no one's left out. So there might be people that didn't speak at the meetings, that didn't come to talk to us, have not been involved, and yet they would be very interested in hearing um, what we've been up to and also maybe to offer their own suggestions. It was the the recommendation that's out there. I mean, not not as like a motion or anything like that. Is 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 beyond just well, not beyond, but is is more restricted than people that have um, come to to the meetings, but more so people that we specifically invited um, to speak um, around these issues, um, particularly early on in in our proceedings. Yeah, and I like that. I like that, Matthew. I like that idea. But I'm, I'm thinking that beyond that, that we also, I mean, we want to be able to get input from uh, all, all our, all our communities. So I think that the best way to do that is to work to our, our, our older persons who are so well connected with, with uh, groups in the, in the neighborhoods who uh, may not have had an opportunity to come and speak to us. And that gives the, that that gives the council a piece of the action as well. I think that they would appreciate being able to at least um, having a part in, in seeking any additional input into into our findings. Okay, so where where does that leave us? So I mean, I just think I, I, I just think that it's going to the the council is going to have a say, right? I mean, whether at what point or not they're going to have a say in what you know 
what to change, what they want to add. You know, I think Luis um, is suggesting that we ask the council to reach out to their constituents. Okay. All right. Right. Not asking. Sure, we can send the same email. Can you send that? Can we draft send the email to the council members? We can have the council council leadership do that. For constituent input. Yeah. That's what we're asking for. Okay. Right. Okay. So given that this, let's assume this takes two weeks. That means. No, November. um, Today is the 25th. That means we can assume maybe this will be out by November 8th. Should we say December 6th or before that one day? How about, de- how about December 1st so that December we have time 1st. to look at them yeah. before the meeting? Is that reasonable? Mm-hmm. What is December 1st? Friday. Okay, perfect. Saturday. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so does that work for everybody then, does, that we say December 1st? Do we want, the, want these proposals into us? with that is because when's your first meeting in December? Did you pick December 6th? So you're not going to get those on the agenda, oh, just right. so you all know, because we need oh, them. Because if we get them on the 1st, I don't know if Rachel, I mean, that's, I don't know if she, how many we receive. And could we do a general agenda item of reviewing community input of recommendations? And attach them. I mean, we just have to make sure everyone has access yeah. to them. And I, I think we'd have to see how they come in, what they look like, if they're legible. If we, you know, I, I just don't know. Does what. it help if we made it the 30th, the Friday? It would help if you made it like that Monday or Tuesday, so that because Rachel, that, I mean, technically they want the agenda out the week before, if possible, so that it can be public, so that it's on the common notice. So it has to be out by Thursday before your meeting to get on that notice. Isn't that the deadline? Friday. Friday. So, but if it's going to take you two weeks to do a letter, then we're not giving well, it's enough time. Well, two weeks time. to get it up on the web page. No, we, we can work okay. on a letter. Um, I mean, I mean yeah, we're already over this week, and then the following week. So you, if it's two weeks, you're not going to get it done until, like, the second week of November. So we're not giving people time enough to provide impact. We can get the letter out to everyone by November 2nd. I just don't know if it can get on the web page by November 2nd. I can't commit to well, the web regardless, page. regardless, we'd still give them a couple of weeks if we said that we wanted everything in by the 28th. That's the Wednesday. Would that, and that would still give us time mm-hmm. to put it on the agenda. Mm-hmm. How about that, November 28th? Assuming that the letter goes out on the second, yes, I would agree with that. So but the letter is not going to go out. out by the second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that sound reasonable, everybody? Anybody? Mm-hmm. Think? Okay. We don't need a formal motion or anything on that, do we? Okay. All right. Anything more on on that agenda item then? Um. So where, how are folks doing? Do you want to keep going through these other recommendations, or have you hit your limit for tonight? We have recommendations 107, 117, 126, 128, 129. That's it. That's all. <laughs> I mean, does anybody have any strong feelings about any of them? I know it's a little out of order, but 
I'm thinking about Matthew, and this is usually about the time that he takes the motion to adjourn. I think that's I think that's Sean. But you know, given given the fact that we are asking for additional time, I don't think that there's a need to rush. I think that we don't do our best work when people are tired and they just want to go through the motion. So I'd recommend that we wrap up. So is that a motion to adjourn? That is a motion to adjourn. Do we have a second? Okay, Kim seconds. Discussion. All in favor? Opposed? Abstentions? Matthew, just to show us that he's not always moving to adjourn. Is the, is I know, I know. Mm. Motion, <laughs> the motion carries. Meeting is adjourned.